0: Hello and good afternoon. It's Rob Porter on 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. Welcome to your lunch break. Natil, how you doing this Thursday?
1: I'm doing pretty good. been a little feisty today.
0: You've been a little feisty? Yeah. That's weird. I know. What are you feisty about?
1: Oh, McFeely brought up a, a story about a woman, a councilwoman from Wisconsin who was breastfeeding during a... A council meeting, and it got a lot of topic, a lot of talk going on, and I got a little feisty at Mike. Yeah. Mike was well, uncomfortable.
0: Well, he's uncomfortable with it? Yes. I I, I don't know if it's because I grew up with, like, four sisters. Like, that stuff just doesn't, whatever. Like, oh, <laughs> there's, there's a baby eating. Fine. You know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't see what the big deal is. You know, it's a boob. You know. Right. Half the population has them. Actually, more than that. I, I've seen some men with, with a very nice set.
1: <laughs> okay, you went there.
0: <sighs> All right. Well, I, we're not going to talk about breastfeeding on this show. 701 293 888 email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, we have State Senator Tom Campbell, who, of course, is running for the United States Senate. He's going to be on the program with us coming up at uh, 1 o'clock. Uh, but I want to talk about this. is a story just breaking out of Bismarck. Uh, this is kind of interesting. Until, I, I think, you know, the, the folks at Breathe ND, I'm, I'm not, I've never been exactly their biggest fan. Didn't like the agency since it was incepted. Um, I think, I think that was during the 2008? Am I, am I saying that right? 2008 election? I, I think it was created on the initiated measure.
1: Oh, I think gosh, it was has 2008. It, has it only been that long? Yeah. Wow, it seems like they've been around longer.
0: Yeah, two thousand eight. <laughs> it just feels that way. It's uh, their their actual name. It's called the Center for Tobacco Prevention and Control. is is what they were called, and they were created by the ballot measure. Uh, Heidi Heitkamp a, at the time was a big proponent of it. Um, and so she, uh, it, it passed. It passed by a wide margin, and, and what it was sold as is, well, let's let's make sure we're using North Dakota's tobacco settlement dollars for tobacco cessation efforts, right? And it passed. Voters liked that idea. What it morphed into was was the, the center started operating under the, the 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 name breathe ND. And what we got were these sort of ubiquitous, preachy, annoying ads that were everywhere. I mean even people who hate tobacco. I hate tobacco. Those ads were horrible. They were they were stupid. I don't think they accomplished anything. And and the problem is is if you looked at the way Breathe ND was operated, and I've, I've long said this. I've been saying this for years. It was a jobs program. This was not a public health health initiative. This was a jobs program. This was about employing certain anti-tobacco zealots who were, you know, I, in, in a way, I, I think almost sort of paying them back for all the work that they did over the years, you know, against, you know, quote, unquote, big tobacco and everything else. This was just sort of a way of, of giving them state jobs that were extremely highly paid relative to other state employees in those categories. I, I actually, this, this morning, I was talking with State Senator uh, Ray Holmberg, uh, who is the uh, chairman of the Appropriations Committee in the, uh, in the interim. And he provided me with a, a chart showing the different employees of Breathe ND, which, by the way, doesn't exist anymore. The legislature closed Breathe ND down earlier this year. I should make sure we say that. But showing the different employees of Breathe ND and where they ranked relative to other state employees in their pay category. And these people, despite having much shorter times of service in in, in, uh, state employment, had salaries that were at or near the top of their categories. I, I mean, just really... The, the amount that people at Breathe ND were being paid was really uh, well above average for for what other comparable employees were being play, paid in state government. So you have that. Well, now news breaks today because lawmakers earlier this year, they voted to take the Center for, Center for Tobacco Prevention and Control Policy, Breathe ND, out of the state budget. Right? So Breathe ND getting shut down. Well, on their way out the door, they got themselves a pretty nice golden parachute. Nine employees getting a total of four hundred thousand dollars, four hundred thousand seven hundred and thirty-nine dollars in severance. That's six months' pay plus the cost of six months of health insurance. On the way out the door, four hundred thousand uh, dollars. This is uh, Senator Holmberg's actually quoted. This is the article by uh, John Hageman in the Fargo Forum. Uh, Senator Holmberg saying, "I uh, quoted this saying: They gamed the system, paid themselves way too much." Um, bismarck republican george kaiser uh, who is actually a member of the agency's executive committee and advisory board he said he opposed the size of the severances Uh, he says i quote when we terminate programs we do give some kind of severance package but i thought the amount was improper well yeah i i think it's improper too you know, I the legislature just shut this agency down, and and also, I mean, obviously these employees are losing losing their jobs, so they're entitled to some degree of severance. But to give them four hundred thousand dollars, and by the way, that's in the ballpark of of the amount of bonuses that Governor Dalrymple gave out. Remember that during the last uh, months of his office, he doled out some bonuses to members of his staff, and he called them retention bonuses, right? It was intended to keep them uh, in place and working uh, until the end of his term in office. And I I didn't think those were proper either. I thought those were excessive, and we're talking about roughly the same dollar figure. Breathe ND, I think, was always a jobs program, and I think this really just proves it. This wasn't I don't think this was really about public health. I, I think this was about stashing a certain flavor of political activists in pretty cushy state jobs. What do you think? Seven oh one two nine three nine thousand, eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. What do you think of the severance packages? Too much, too little? Like to hear from you. Email talk at WDY send me tweets at Rob Port. Joe, you're on. Go ahead.
2: Hey Rob. Yes. It seems like there's uh you know, we had to do a lot of cuts to the state of North. Right, a week or two ago, here the uh, athletic director up there at UND, they had to give him a nice little going away present. Right, uh, and now now this, I mean, it just seems like there's is there no end to the money? Well,
0: it just seems like it, it just seems like everybody going out, you know, gets a big golden parachute. You know, and I don't know, I don't right. know why that is. I mean, how many how many people get how many people get that get the luxury of that sort of a severance in the private sector? Not very many.
2: No, and uh, with Vision. Uh, you know he was be- he's basically being run out, but he's kind of getting paid off just to keep his mouth shut.
0: Yeah, I think that's well. I don't know that, but I mean that's that's certainly my impression based on the facts.
2: Well, it's a buddy system, or uh, the new administration there. You know, they've got somebody else they want to get in there.
0: Yeah, you know,
2: they get him until you know every time they refresh. Every time when you know someone new comes into a, a position yeah. like that.
0: Well, that's that's the other thing we do. Like we – because what they did it, before getting rid of Faison is they went out and, and UND hired a consultant, and the consultant did $16,000 worth of work in the athletics department, produced no written reports documenting that work. The um, the athletics uh, – the, the spokespeople at, at UND say, well, he – you know, the, the, the consultants were just there to do, like, mentoring or job development or whatever – but you know, Tom Miller, you know the uh, the sports reporter, said essentially in a column, he's not buying that. I'm not buying that. That looks pretty clearly to me like they hired a consultant to to go in and and you know set the stage for on getting canned. Except you know they don't produce any any written reports. There's no documentation of what was said, what was reported back to, to the president of, of of UND, Mark Kennedy, or anybody else. So. You know, and, and then you have this – I mean, listen, this sort of thing, whether it's the Breathe ND stuff, whether it's getting around open records requests by not having your consultants produce a written report or these big golden parachutes, whatever it is, this undermines the public's trust in government. I mean, this is what makes people angry about government is when you do stuff like this because I'm sorry – these severances for the Breathe ND employees are excessive. Frankly, their pay in the context of other state employees in their categories was excessive. Um, you know, when, when you abuse the taxpayers like this, the taxpayers get angry. And the taxpayers trust government less. And that has all sorts of negative implications that we shouldn't
2: want. Right. And uh, uh, what do you think about the uh, tax, tax commissioner out there? Is it time well, for him to... Uh, to step down, or is he going to get straightened out, or what's your position on him?
0: You know, I broke that. Or I broke that story originally. Um, I when he when he had his initial drinking problems, I was the first one I spoke with him just hours after his car, driven by somebody else, was involved in an accident. Uh, frankly, I spoke with him when he was. He still sounded inebriated to me. I think that Ryan Rauschenberger is a very talented young man. I think he's a very nice young man. I think he's more than capable of being our insurance commissioner. But he's clearly got some demons, and he hasn't been able to tackle those demons yet. Um, I'm not willing to say at this point that he should step down. I think he owes us more of an explanation. I think we need to know more information about how this is impacting his job, how he's going about handling this. And, and I wouldn't—I I say that not because I want to humiliate him or embarrass him, but because he's a statewide elected official. He doesn't have a boss. He doesn't have a supervisor, right? Right. The, the governor can't just fire him. That's not how it works. He's elected of the people, which means that we, the people, are his bosses. And I'm sorry. If I had an employee that, that was having trouble drinking and having trouble showing up to work, before I made decisions about whether or not to fire that person, I'd want to know more about what's going on. And I, I think that's what Ryan owes us. So I, I, that's where I'm at. I want more information.
2: Yeah, he, he did get reelected. See, the first time he, he got got he split got, in there because of daddy you know, and dollar impolet. Basically,
0: Well, I mean, listen, me well, th- there's certainly that right. connection. I, I I, think Ryan Rauschenberger is qualified for that job. I've worked with him. I've no, gotten all sorts really of data with him okay. over the years. He he's qualified, got he's he's qualified for that job, and, and to me that's all that matters. Now, whether or not his, his drinking is causing a problem and whether or not he should continue to be tax commissioner, I, I need more information at this point. If he doesn't provide that information, the voters may very well look somewhere else. That could be a big opening for Democrats to finally – win in a, uh, a statewide office alright Joe I gotta take a break Thank 7, you. 701-293-9000 888-970-9329. we'll be right back
3: yeah. 30, feet above city where welcome back
0: Rob report 970 WDYM 93.1 FM don't forget, State Senator Tom Campbell, who is running for the U.S. Senate, is going to be on the program here at 1 o'clock, so you can uh, get your comments or questions ready. Once again, uh, those phone number 701-293-9000, 9329 email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, we were talking about the uh, what I'm calling them gold, uh, golden parachutes for pre ND employees. Uh, that was created by voters via an initiated measure back in, in – I'm pretty sure it was – I should have Googled it during the uh, break, until and I didn't. But I'm pretty sure uh, it was back during the 2008 election cycle. Uh, they were closed down by lawmakers earlier this year. I have for a long time said that it's it's not – that that was not a public health initiative. That was a jobs program, and if you looked at the amount of money some of the people employed there were getting paid to do stuff that, frankly, isn't really that complicated – you know, it was it was excessive. It was excessive. It was a jobs program for political activists. I'm glad it's gone. I am not glad, however, that they got, you know, closing in on a half million dollars in severance uh, going out the door. That is a golden parachute. It's inappropriate. Lawmakers are blowing the whistle on it. Although it's not clear there's anything anybody can do. You know, it looks like this is something the agency just did out, out the window. They, they you know... They gave the they gave the employees a golden parachute and off off they go and it's legal but that doesn't make it right and and to the caller I I think the caller that, that discussion right before the break the deal I think was important because you know there's a larger issue here of, of trust in government you know I, I think a lot of people are cynical about politics they're cynical about government for a lot of excellent reasons and in fact I I think it's healthy to cultivate a skepticism of government, right? I mean, I mean, the government is one of the most powerful forces in our day-to-day lives, and they wield a lot of power, and I, I think it should be always – I think we should always be skeptical of the people wielding that power. But, but the problem – there's a difference between skepticism that's healthy and then just outright mistrust, and, and I think the problem is when we constantly get stories about the taxpayers getting abused, right – we're just spending money willy nilly. It's it's inappropriate, and and when the taxpayers feel abused, I, I think that's a I think I think that's a dangerous situation. When we undermine trust in our institutions of government, that's a dangerous situation. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wdy.com and, and I say dangerous, not that there's going to be like armed insurrection or something like that, but. I mean if people don't feel like like the people in charge are following the rules, and they don't feel like they're following the laws, if they don't feel like they're playing fair, then why should any of the rest of us? Why should you follow all the rules when you're paying your taxes? You know, why why should you do the rest of it? I I, I don't I don't that's not the sort of society I want to live in. I don't think it's a society anybody should want to live in. You know, the other thing they did and that the caller brought up, and this this drives me nuts. It seems like every decision that gets made in state government a lot of times, they're always hiring consultants to do that. Have you noticed that lately, Natiel? Like, every time we're going to hire somebody, we hire, like, a consultant to do a search or whatever?
1: Yeah, I guess it... I hadn't noticed it so much until this most recent topic came up with the uh, athletic director at UND. Right. But it does. it does bring up a... Pretty interesting point. Why why does the government need consultants to make choices? Isn't don't we elect them to make those choices?
0: Yeah. Well, see, that's exactly my point. Is to me, I mean, not only is it expensive, right? Because we do it a lot. I mean, every time, every time we're gonna hire like a new chancellor or a new university president or a new athletic director, or we're gonna have a new logo or whatever. We're always hiring some consultant, right? We have this whole rigmarole. We appoint a committee, and then the committee hires a contractor or a consultant, and the consultant does their work. And it's this whole rigmarole. It's this whole stinking rigmarole. And it not only does it cost a lot of money, I think it also creates degrees of separation – between who gets held accountable, right? Because to your point, Natil, we elect these people or we hire these people to work in state government. The decision should be theirs. I mean, the buck should stop with them. But I think by hiring consultants, it's a way to sort of, if things go haywire, they could just blame the consultant, fire the consultant, hire somebody new. They avoid accountability for it. So I, I don't know. There's this whole economy of consultants. The, the Office of Management and Budget has... A um, has basically the state's paycheck, the, the state's, you know, check register online. All It's a spending database. It's searchable. Go in there sometime and see how many different consultants are being paid by the state of North Dakota to do all sorts of different things. It's It'll blow your mind. You, you, you'll, it'll make you wonder what exactly state employees are doing all day. We're hiring all these consultants. 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Uh, let's see, Kyle messages. I'm coming in late to the show. Was the severance 500k total? How many employees did that cover? 500k split between 20 people is a lot. 500k split between 200 people is different. It's actually it, it's just over 400k. I think I said it was closing in on a half a million. It's just over 400k and it's split among nine people. So
1: nine? It,
0: yeah. So let's see. That's I'm doing the math quick. That's about forty-four thousand dollars a person, roughly. In combined, I think that's six months salary plus six months of health care. So there's there's some health care benefits there. But that state health care benefits. They're pretty cushy. They're pretty good. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, where's Jay today? Out at the I didn't speakeasy. Hear la- He's at the speakeasy. Boy, that's a great place. All right, we're going to get an update from Jay. Plus, we'll be back with the rundown here on The Rob Report on 970 WDAY AM and 93.1 FM. Don't go away. The Rob Report. The Rob Report. On 970 WDAY. The Rundown. All right, Nathiel, what's in the headlines?
1: Well, starting off with probably one of the biggest headlines of the day, George H.W. Bush offers a second apology after an actress accuses him of groping her.
0: You know, there's been so much of this, and I don't mean to laugh because it's not funny, but there's been so much of this in the headlines, and they said George H.W. Bush, and I thought for sure... This had to be like 30 years ago or something, because the dude's in his 90s. He's in a wheelchair. Uh, yep. But this was this was like not this was like a year ago or something, wasn't it?
1: Uh, apparently it just a few years ago, but it was okay. while he was recent. Yeah, it, and it, it was after he became confined to the wheelchair. So the and what makes it so what, sp-
0: what 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 happened? Because I I think I saw somewhere this lady was saying sexual assault. What, what did he do, suppose, well, what, uh, allegedly?
1: What makes it so weird is that he uses a, he, he used a, a dirty joke about the whole thing. He, he it was a one-liner. He says, uh, oh, do you, do you want to know who my favorite magician is? David oh, Copperfield.
0: Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> and then apparently uh, touched oh, God, her. I shouldn't laugh. I shouldn't laugh, but Jesus I, and then he, he touched her while doing this. <laughs> what? So it, I, <laughs> and what, what strikes me as odd is that it, it seems like this is not something like it's not, it wasn't just like a one-time incident that this is something. Well, there that, was
0: more than one, wasn't it? Like yeah. there was, a, there was another lady who came out and said he used like the same joke and yep, everything.
1: Yep. And David Copperfield. And it's what makes me so upset. Honestly, is is not necessarily that he's doing this because he's he's ninety three. It strikes me as probably just some sort of like doddery old guy kind of weirdness. But the fact that people that are with him. Are allowing him to be in these situations? I mean, if you so, know that this has happened, why are you letting him be in that so situation? So this, this again? was like a
0: photo op or something, yes. right? Like they were all going to take a picture together, and, and then Barbara, he like
1: Barbara was there. Barbara was there. Yes, she what? saw it.
0: No. Yes. So he cracks the joke. Barbara's there. <laughs> what? She touches.
1: What? He touches her. He touches her. He t- touches this woman, and. Uh, It it just it just goes from there. What?
0: I. I I just I. The thing is, it's not funny. It's not. This woman didn't want to be touched on her butt. And he's a former president of the United States. So so here's the thing, because she said sexual assault. And then I find out it's it's copping a feel, basically. And my first reaction was to say, you know, calling that sexual assault is a little bit. uh, I mean, you say sexual assault, you're thinking in your mind. Something a lot worse than that, but on the other hand though, I don't want to move too far away from that term because you shouldn't be touched on the butt if you don't want to be touched on the butt.: No and that absolutely was what it was because he made a sexual joke before he did it here comes he, before he did it so the, so the cop feel thing was before he did it.: Yes, like he makes the so one he's like setting the stage for, with the cheesy coppa feel
1: for the, the butt touch. <laughs> So it's it's not like it's not like it was just some sort of like innocent. I you know I I accidentally brushed up against her butt and then had the worst timing ever for my favorite one liner.
0: I used yeah. the one well, liner. Well, when it happens more than once, because I saw initially, I, I think I saw the release. Like there were there were, they put out the the bush like his spokespeople or whatever like put out some spin and they were like you know he's. He's feeble and his hand slips down or something. He's,
1: he's confined to a wheelchair, so during photo ops, he often touches someone on right. the, the lower hip or whatever. I could see
0: that. Like, okay, so so you're old, you're in a wheelchair, your arm slips down, you try to make a joke to just laugh it off, right? And it was a, it was an accident, right? I, okay, I buy that if it's the one time, but then <laughs> when we we hear like the second time and you use the same joke, well, no, I'm sorry you know, David Copperfield, this is not,
3: oh, what is it? Like, I
0: don't, I I don't know what it is. Like we have this whole thing coming out. Apparently everybody was just touching everybody else or all these, all these men are out there touching. Like, I don't, when is this? I mean, it's because I'm a dude and nobody wants to touch me. And I understand (laughs) that. I don't particularly, but it's just.
1: All right. All right. right. Let's move on before you self-deprecate yourself into a hole. Uh, the NFL's numbers I'm the are... king
0: of self-deprecation.
1: NFL's... I realize
0: there's a reason why I'm on radio.
1: Yeah, well, the NFL right, is apparently going to have to start doing some self-examination of their own. NFL's TV numbers are still sliding. 2017 figures down big from the same period in 2015. You
0: know, this surprises me that this has lasted this long.
1: That the that that, the dip that... has lasted this I, long?
0: I I thought for sure they would have plateaued. Like, they would have leveled out by now.
1: It doesn't seem but they're like they're leveling them out.
0: Yeah. How far are they down? Like, what are the the latest numbers?
1: Oh, let's take a peek here. Uh, NFL games averaged 15.1 million viewers through week seven, and that was down 5.1% from the same viewing period the previous year. Okay. And then, uh, let's see, uh, down 18.7% from that same period in 2015. So the drop between last year and this year is – you know, still pretty substantial, about 5%. You don't want but, to
0: lose 5%. Yeah. No, but, the, but dro- the two-year drop, holy the two cow, that's almost drop 20%. Is, yeah,
1: it's, it's 19%. But that's
0: got to be, because when, when did the kneeling thing start with Kaepernick? It
1: was last season.
0: Right. But if it's down from two years ago...
1: Well, two years ago would have been like, the last it, it, season it, 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 where it's, they it's didn't not have just, that controversy. It's not controversy. just the kneeling.
0: It's not just the kneeling. It can't
1: be just the kneeling. I mean, there's got to be no. more than, that than can't just that. can't be helping. That. But
0: I don't think that's helping. No,
1: it's absolutely not helping. That, but, that whole controversy is not helping. Regardless of how you feel, at what side you're on one way or the other, the controversy existing isn't helping the NFL any.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it is. And it, again, it just surprised me. That, that's a big number, down 18%. Holy, holy Toledo. They got a lot of stuff going on. The NFL's a mess. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't found football to be entertaining for a long time. All right. Let's keep moving.
1: Kellogg's apologizes for lone brown corn pop on cereal box.
0: What?
1: This story. Oh, okay. This, this headline some... just sounded too crazy to be true, but, but it is. So Kellogg's put out a, a cereal box on the back of which was sort of like this cute depiction of a city full of anthropomorphic corn pops doing okay. different things there was like a little pyramid of like corn pops so they put in a, they put
0: in a token
1: well, there was there was one corn pop that was darker than the rest of the corn pops and he was in a janitor's outfit
0: oh boy
1: and i i don't i don't know i don't know if in this instance who
0: notices this crap i mean who's got enough time in their day to notice this
1: well, and to me, when I looked at it, when I looked at the the box, it looked sort of like a printing error to me, like that the printer had made an error on this section of the print, and this part of the print was just darker. But Kellogg's came out; they apologized. They said they did they you know they didn't intend to.
0: Well, they don't have a choice but to apologize because anymore, anymore, I mean, the minute the minute you crank up the outrage machine on the internet or something, if they don't apologize. That's just getting out in front, whether it's intentional or not. That's just getting out in front of it.
1: Well, we're not safe anywhere anymore. Our soaps aren't safe. Our cereals aren't safe.
0: I guess not. All right, what's do? next?
1: Tucker Carlson pushes conspiracy theories on Las Vegas mass shooting.
0: What are his conspiracy theories? There's some weird stuff going on now. Oh, The brother got busted for kitty porn. I, I don't even know what that means. but
1: I, I don't know. The, the brother's in a lot of trouble, but this Fox News host, Tucker Carlson, Yesterday was insisting that there were unanswered questions about the Las Vegas shooting that had to do with Jesus Campos, the security guard who allegedly confronted uh, the shooter.
0: Yeah, I read something that like he he left the country for a little while, but came back.
1: He was. Yeah, he he left the country. He he, he, I'm assuming has family in Mexico. Yeah. um, But he he went to Mexico he spent some time in Mexico and then came back, according to uh, Border Patrol, and as presented by Tucker Carlson, nearly to the hour, exactly one week before the shooting occurred.
0: Well, I don't know. I listen. I like Tucker Carlson a lot, but there is. I, I think the problem is is, is there it. it the motive, because we know almost nothing still about what motivated that shooting, I think it's left a vacuum. And anytime you have a vacuum like that, there, there's an intense amount of interest in why this guy did it, right? Which is understandable. I mean, I it's understandable to want to know why somebody would do something just awful like that. The problem is, is we don't have a lot of facts to, to put in that void, and so it gets filled with other nonsense. So I think people are... People want to talk about and they've run out of things to talk about. And now, you know, we're, uh, you know, we're I, 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 sort of have, up. Yeah,
1: I sort of have to agree with you. And the, the other thing that he brings up, which maybe is a slightly more valid point, is why authorities let him leave the country again to return. I think to that's Mexico. fair.
0: I mean, this is a pretty intense investigation. Why let him go? I would like to understand more about that decision. All right, let's wrap it up. We'll hit Jay out at Speakeasies. Natil, take us out.
1: All right, you're listening to The Rob Report on 970 WDAY-AM 93.1 FM.
0: And that's The Rundown. Natil, you know, earlier in the program, we were talking about these golden parachutes at Breathe ND. Uh Uh-huh. Listen to this. This is from John Hageman's article. So... The, obviously, North Dakota went through a pretty rough budget cycle, so there were a lot of what were called uh, voluntary. It, there was what was called the voluntary separation incentive program, right? So, basically, that was the state putting out saying, "Hey, you know, we have to cut back our payroll. So, anybody who wants to voluntarily leave, you can sign up for this program and you get, you know, and what it was is that they essentially got they got received a lump sum equal to three months' salary and health insurance. Um, so basically you got you got three months severance right you, you sign up you say okay i'll voluntarily separate voluntarily separate from my employment with the state you got three months severance the pre-ND folks got six months six months I mean twice essentially twice what the 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 buyouts for other state employees got Now, granted, they're not entirely 100% equivalent situations. In one situation, the agency was being eliminated. In the other one, state employees were being bought out. But in either way, this is being done from a place of the state's got to save money. Employees from one agency got twice the severance that employees from other agencies got. Here's the other thing, because the the value of the severance was just over $400,000 for nine employees. Just over $400,739 for nine employees. According to OMB, 158 people went uh, separated their their employment with the state through the the voluntary program. That cost three million. So three million for 158 people is doing some quick math. That's about eighteen thousand nine hundred eighty-seven thousand dollars a person. For the breathe nd folks, you're talking about over forty-four thousand dollars per person. Now you, you tell me that's right. It, it's uh, apparently it's legal, and, and I don't know. I mean, maybe we need to talk to the legislature about leaving that loophole open. I mean, maybe maybe they need they you know we need to hold them accountable a little bit for that. But I, I'm sorry, this is an abuse of taxpayer dollars. The taxpayers got abused in this situation, and, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not surprised. I've been blowing the whistle on breathe nd for a long time now. I mean it was it was a it's been a waste of taxpayer dollars since day one. I mean I mean even just philosophically, it's not something the state of North Dakota should be doing. It's not something government should be doing. I have no problem with the government giving out just sort of general health information, right? So smoking is bad for you. You shouldn't smoke. Here are the sort of problems you can have if you smoke or chew, if you use tobacco, here are the problems you can have. Right? I don't have any problem with that. I don't even have a problem with the state maybe running uh, or, or helping to run or, or providing uh, referrals to, uh, you know, cessation programs. I don't have a problem with any of that. Just provide basic information. I'm fine with that. The problem I have is where we're going to create a, we created a state agency to essentially engage in political activism against the sale and use of a product that is legal. Right? I, I mean, we, we had essentially a, a state, a, a prohibitionist agency that existed for no other reason than to attack a legal product. Smoking's legal. I'm not, I'm not endorsing it. I don't smoke. I don't particularly like to be around smokers. I don't really want my friends or loved ones or family to smoke because it's bad for you. I've never smoked. I don't like smoking. I don't use tobacco. But the thing is it's legal. I I it was it was such a it was such a mistake from the get go and I, I'm not surprised that they're going out like this with a with a with a big fat kiss off to the taxpayers. I mean since day one that's all this this that's all this this has been. Just a uh, j- just a just a handout, a gravy train for a small group of political activists paid for by the taxpayers. You know, it's it's outrageous. It, it is an outrageous abuse of tax dollars. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, somebody asked me if uh, if I knew if uh, any of the state employees who got this severance from Breathe ND ended up got getting hired back from the state. I have asked that question. If I get an answer during the show, I'll, I'll let you know, or maybe I'll update my post at com. You can check that out. Hour two of the Rob Report coming up. State Senator Tom Campbell, he's running for the United States Senate. He joins me on next. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Hour two of the Rob Report, 970 WDAY AM, 93.1 FM. Joining me now, State Senator Tom Campbell. He's running for the United States Senate. You can call in with your comments or questions, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Senator Campbell, how's the campaign trail?
4: Uh, It's going fantastic, Rob. Uh, Things are, are running just the way we want them, and we like it, and it's been busy and fun, been putting in lots of time, uh, 100-hour weeks, the last three or four weeks, and 27,000 miles since May, and uh, I love it, seeing lots of positive people out there, finding what's on their minds, and and I just really, really like it. Just got back late last night from Devil's Lake, Ramsey County, celebrating uh, uh, Farm Bureau's 75th anniversary, that's where it all started, was Devil's Lake, didn't know it till we got there, so it's kind of fun experiencing things like that.
0: What uh, what are you hearing about people, uh, what's on people's minds?
4: Well, without a doubt, um, people are real frustrated with Washington not getting anything done. Uh, You know, our our current Senator, Heitkamp, she's talking on of two sides. I I appreciate how you've been, you know, holding her accountable at what she's been doing. She says one thing in Washington with the liberal left, the Chuck Schumer and her party. And when she comes here, she tries to spin it like she's working for the hard-working North Dakota families, which she's not. So as I've been finding and traveling around, I'm, I'm running into a lot of people that supported her that are, have been very, very disappointed, especially with the energy bill. That was a huge uh, roadblock that, that she threw up, that she could have been the deciding vote. Um, you know, DAPL, she sat back and did nothing. Um, basically people on tax reform, she kind of voted against that. Um, so it just goes on and on and on, and it's almost the point where she's almost doing nothing that the people want, and it's just I'm kind of surprised. That, that she's listening to the the liberal left so often and, and not us.
0: 888-970-9329. We got a caller, John. Go ahead, John. What's up? Good
2: afternoon. So while we're on the subject of Heidi and her uh, speak out one side and not the other, what's your take on uh, moving uh, our concealed carry reciprocity uh, action forward at Congress? She seems to be waffling back and forth, you know, and, and North Dakota being a very, very large pro-gun state. I just feel that uh, her lack of inactivity, you know, contributes to the rest of the Senate, their lack of inactivity as, as, as a whole.
0: Tom, what's, what's your position on uh, reciprocity for like, like concealed carry among the states?
4: You know, I, I definitely would be for it. I like what we did in the legislature in Bismarck this last session. I, I'm a big, strong supporter of, of uh, the Second Amendment. I, I'm a hunter, I've got several guns, and uh, this whole thing, they're turning around, um, that they're making it sound like, uh, you know, people, uh, what happened in Las Vegas. So I am I definitely express the proxy, but, but yet I still think we have to leave it up to each state. Uh, I'm a big proponent of um, support that each state makes their own decisions, and so we can't necessarily say that we we can't answer what Minnesota wants to do. I'd love to be able to, but so we, have got to leave it at that. And I think right now I I like the way it is where we've got probably some of the best control or the the, the least control of guns in our state that I like.
2: What do you
0: think going on at the national level? I mean, obviously you're campaigning, you want to get a seat in the United States Senate, but there is some turmoil in the Senate right now. Uh, Senator Bob Corker has feuded with president Trump. Uh, He says that he's leaving the Senate Uh, Senator Jeff Flake uh, from Uh, Arizona is saying he doesn't see a place for people like him in the Republican Party right now. So there's there's a lot of hard feelings between some of these Republicans and President Trump. Now, I know you have have aligned yourself pretty closely with President Trump during your campaign. What do you make of some of this turmoil nationally?
4: Well, those are some great, great questions. Um, I know Senator Flake a little bit and and he's basically kind of went against Trump's agenda. His, his book that he wrote uh, did not favor Trump, and it just kind of goes to show, and, and of course, overwhelmingly, our state supports Trump. Um, I support Trump's agenda. I, I don't always agree with his tweets two or three in the morning, and he could be handling things a little bit differently, but overall, I like his pro-business agenda. He's been phenomenal. Um, look at the stock market. Our, our 401ks are way up. The jobs are up. The only thing that's down is unemployment. Um, the optimism in the bi- business world the economy's over three percent everything he's doing which which was without either house has been positive so I think you know for Corcoran and flake Senator Flakes uh, I think it was probably their mistake by not supporting him and you know he's not perfect everybody knows that but but overall you can kind of see uh, North Dakota likes him and, and I'm going to continue to listen to the my constituents in North Dakota that favor him
0: one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine email talk at wdy.com or you can send me a tweet too at Rob Port uh, so Senator Heitkamp is is obviously she's raising a lot of money and you know I, I think a lot of it right now coming from out of state and as a matter of fact in that last that her third quarter fundraising figures uh, you know she's she actually took more money from Goldman Sachs employees than she did from North Dakotans just in terms of the itemized uh, personal contributions. So, I mean, but but she's tapping into that that big national liberal uh, donor base, and she's going to have a lot of money to campaign with. And I think if there's one thing maybe even you would acknowledge uh, is true about Heidi Heitkamp is she is a very, very skilled politician and a very, very good campaigner. Now, your own numbers were a little bit more modest, although obviously you're not an incumbent senator and you haven't been fundraising for as long. But are you going to be able to match her just in terms of, of, of strength of, of fundraising and, and campaigning?
4: You know, um, Rob, I believe that North Dakota can see through that. Uh, her three million dollar plus total after her third quarter. I, I
0: think um, it was more it was, than four million.
4: Yeah, right. It was, it was three million up to the third quarter, and almost another million, so it's four. I think five or six percent of that only came from North Dakota, and there's no question. You know, money is important to any race, and I got in, you know, relatively late compared to her, and I only raised funds for four or five weeks. The support's been overwhelmingly. And I just feel that um, all all out worker, uh, no matter what. Um, and I think people see through that, and they'll see that I'm the hard worker in campaign, and that's what it's going to take. And I, I know once um, people realize that that uh, there won't be any Republican opposition, I know there's going to be a lot more fun. A lot of people are kind of waiting to see that, so I'm, I'm excited to see what happens in the future.
0: There has, you know, there's, there's been, you know, a lot of talk about other Republican candidates potentially getting into this race, and I, I know that that the ND GOP has been out, sort of, recruiting other candidates. Now, I, I, I know, I, I spoke with your campaign manager, and he says that that you specifically don't have a problem with this. I have heard, though, from some of your supporters, uh, people upset that that the the state party is continuing to recruit Senate candidates even though you're in the race. What are your feelings about that? Do you have hard feelings about that?
4: You know, absolutely not. i've I'm you know this is an important race. Um I've always welcomed competition. Everything I've done in over forty years of business has been been full of competition. and I think competition in anything whether it's business or campaigns for any type of races with race whether it's local or state or federal, it makes you sharper. It makes me better. It makes me study and become better. so i I welcome competition. I've never any have any heard, I've never had any hard feelings for any but in the Republican Party, I've, I've, I've been in uh, the Senate. We, uh, Kelly Armstrong and I both came in the same year in 2013. We've always gotten along good. I think he's doing a great job, and I I've, that's just basically rumors, and, and as far as that goes, I welcome competition, and I'm ready for it.
0: Uh, let me ask you this question as well, because you, in your ads, uh, you call yourself uh, a conservative farmer, a conservative outsider, and, and very much promoting a... A limited government message, as you would expect uh, a, a Republican to do, obviously. But I hear from people who, who point out that your farm operation, which is a big part of your, of the case you make for yourself for the United States Senate is the fact that you are, in fact, a very successful farmer. Uh, but people point out that you've gotten a lot of subsidies from the government over the years for your farming. H- how do you answer critics who are saying, how can you be a limited government conservative on one hand, but then accept all these farm subsidies on the other hand?
4: You know, and then that's another good question. That's a very disingenuous attack that's been going on forever with anybody that farms. You know, 99% of all farmers uh, follow the farm bill. Our former um, Governor Del, uh, Jack Darrell was attacked that same thing as a farmer. And, you know, I've farmed for over 40 years, and um, Heidi supported the farm bill. And I think, if anything, I would like to change is that if you don't need to belong to the farm program in order to take uh, crop insurance, because I think crop insurance is the answer and maybe less and less farm program. But it is, it's is—it's provided, you know, food is the most important uh, uh, commodity uh, before anything else, and that goes back to the old, you know, we never had to wait in food lines in North Dakota like some of my grandfathers did in Europe before they came over, and I think that's where it all stemmed for. But maybe we need to change, and, and I'd be uh, very, very open to rewriting that book as well.
0: 701 email talk at WDAY.com. At this point in the race, what's your outgoing message for voters? And we're, I mean, we're a long way out. I mean, it's still October of uh, 2017. You know, we're not going to get – we're not going to settle the – probably the – um and the, well, let me ask you that question. If you end up not getting the nomination at the state convention, would you run to the June primary? I mean, would you – and I, maybe I've asked you this question before, but would you – would you continue on past the convention if you didn't win there, uh, assuming multiple uh, multiple Republican candidates for the Senate?
4: You know, I've always been a strong conservative Republican, always a support of the Republican Party, and my plans are I'm winning. I'm all in, and I'm winning it, and I've never even thought about losing. That's, that's not my option. I didn't run in to think or consume, you know, consider losing. So at this point in time, I'm planning on winning, and that's what I'm focusing on, Rob, right now is is winning and, and going into the primary and winning that and, and uh, uh, just about a year away for November sixth, twenty eighteen, for the big election, and I'm I'm uh, I'm excited for that as well.
0: All right, and you just released the polling numbers too, showing you pretty favorably with Heidi Heitkamp. Tell us about those.
4: Yes, uh, we just <clears throat> took those last week. Been very very excited about that. I'm basically three points ahead of Heidi Heitkamp. Came from ten you know behind, uh, and you know I know several people ask me, are you surprised to see that? Probably yes and no. After traveling and visiting with so many people, it's been overwhelmingly not just conservative Republicans, but a lot of moderate and some Democrats have have been frustrated with her. So it, it, it kind of didn't surprise me. Um, also, too, you know, in a six way primary election, um, I, I defeated all of them, even Rick Berg by eleven points. Uh, so it's been interesting. You know, uh, Kelly Schmidt, Tammy Miller had one percent. Uh, Rick Becker had three uh, percent. Kathy Nesset had four percent. So. It's been very encouraging. Uh, It looks like the hard work paid off. Um, People love to see me about, and and they're not ever afraid to tell me what's on their mind, and I'd love to hear that because I've been in the Senate for, you know, three sessions, and I'm very familiar with listening and uh, hearing them and bringing it back and and hopefully uh, answering their, their cries.
0: Senator Campbell, thanks for your time.
4: Yes, thanks, Rob. Have a great day.
0: That's State Senator Tom Campbell running for the United States Senate. I'm Rob Porter. This is the Rob Report on 970 WDAY-AM and 93.1 FM. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Rob Report 970 AM, 93.1 FM 70129390 889709329. Email talk at WDY.com. So that's uh that's that's the Republican answer so far. And I think we're definitely gonna get more Republican candidates in the Senate race, but that's the Republican answer so far to Heidi Hyde Camp of twenty eighteen. Nateo, what what do you think of that guy?
1: I don't know. I, I have to admit that I'm a fairly loyal Hyde Camp supporter. I think that she does a very good job and it it will be it would be difficult for me to vote for uh, someone else, especially someone who thinks that Trump is doing a very good job right now.
0: Yeah. Although most North Dakotans probably feel that way.
1: Yeah. But if, if you've learned anything in the time you've been working with me, Rob, it's that I'm not most
0: North Dakotans. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so I, and I just, I, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting. There's, there's so many dynamics. There's so much weird stuff going on, uh, you know, in, in politics. I actually was writing my, my Sunday column about, you know, some of the stuff that's happening in the Senate. I'm just, and we talked about this somewhat yesterday, you know, with Jeff Flake retiring, uh, and he's certainly not the first one. And then we have, you know, Roy Moore, you know, getting endorsed by other Republican senators. Um, you know, it, it seems like North Dakota's top Republicans sort of holding their nose on Roy Moore. You know, John Hoven, I think, told The Washington Post, uh, you know, let's give him a chance. Uh, Congressman Kramer, you know, kind of I asked him about this yesterday and he was kind of like, well, I, I don't really I don't really know that much about it or whatever. Right. Like that was that's not his exact words. But that's essentially what he said yesterday, which I'm sorry, is a little hard to believe. That you don't know that much about Roy Moore, who's been making headlines. I mean, first with his fight over like the Ten Commandments monument and everything. I mean, this guy has been making a lot of headlines. I have it hard to find it hard to believe that a member of Congress isn't aware of this guy, who, you know, at one point he doesn't he doesn't feel like Muslims should be able to serve in Congress. Uh, he doesn't feel that. Um, I, I laugh. It's not funny. That's and, and by the way, that's not constitutional. Article 6, Section 3 of the United States Constitution said that there will be no religious litmus test for anyone serving in any public office in America. No religious litmus test. Meaning you can't say, oh, you're Jewish or you're Muslim or you're, you know, Buddhist or whatever. You can't serve. Can't do that. This guy's supposed to be a legal expert, and, uh, you know, that's unconstitutional. Since when is it conservative to support things that are unconstitutional, right? I mean, this guy was asked... I think in 2015, right, he was on some radio show with some creep who uh, who regularly calls for, uh, you know, homosexuals to be stoned to death like it calls for in Leviticus or something like that. And, you know, somebody Roy Moore was on his radio program, goes on his radio program regularly, I guess, and was asked about it, like, well, do, uh, do you think that homosexuals should be executed? And he basically was like, I don't know. How do you answer I don't know to that? I, I guess that's what maybe that's what you answer when you think homosexuality should be legal, which is something that Roy Moore believes. I guess I guess that's something you feel when you think that homosexuality is something akin to bestiality, which again is something that Roy Moore agrees with. I mean, right in, in earlier this year, this year, right now, I'm not talking about something from the past. This year, while he's been a, a candidate for the United States Senate. It, Roy Moore suggested that we have mass shootings in America because we don't have prayer in school. This guy has been endorsed by Ted Cruz. He's been endorsed by Rand Paul. He's been endorsed by Mike Lee. He's been endorsed by President Donald Trump. So that's essentially where my, my, what my Sunday column is about. As somebody who considers himself generally a Republican, Right, Although I, I'm hardly a, a partisan sort of Republican. But I generally, yeah, I vote in line with Republicans. And there is no tent big enough for me and Roy Moore. I, I can't... If, if that's where the party is going, is away from people like Jeff Flake, as much criticism as you may want to put on, on, on Jeff Flake's plate, and I think you probably deserve some of it. Nobody's perfect. But if we're moving away from the Jeff Flakes and the Bob Corkers of the world towards the Roy Moores of the world, then, then, then the conservative movement is lost. It has lost its way if that's the direction that we're going. 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, email talk at WDAY.com. Caller, Joe, you're on. What's up?
2: Hey, what's going on, Rob? Hey. Yeah, I just had uh, you know Tom Campbell on there. And if, yeah. if you remember when Rick Berg you know, was running against Heidi Heitkamp, Yep. Of all the, the ads of him being a slumlord, you know, he's a owner of Goldmark.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was, High okay. uh, Camp is an ugly, ugly campaigner. Yeah, go ahead.
2: Yeah, but anyway, uh, Tom Campbell, he is a part owner of the IREP properties, from what I've understood. So I just don't know, you know, are they is in he, the is same he... caliber of Goldmark as Goldmark? As, well, I don't, they, I don't, don't know. I mean, on, honestly, I... I, I
0: I, I thought a lot of the stuff. I, I think it's unfair to call Goldmark slumlords,
2: right? I think well, I think, that's, I think that's, that's yeah, that's what they did, you
0: know. Yeah, that's what they did. I think that's unfortunate. I, I I thought that was hugely unfair. I thought that was unfair to Goldmark, which I I think is a company that probably deserved better. Uh, and I think that is, uh, uh, you know, unf- I thought I think that was unfair to Rick Berg, um, you know. But that's I mean I I think you bring up a good point. Heitkamp, Heidi Heitkamp is is nothing. She is a vicious, vicious campaigner. Uh, she also is going to cling to the power that that United States Senate seat gives her. We had Mike Jacobs on this program, who's a left of center guy. And he called Heitkamp a snarler. If you back her into a corner, she is a snarler. And so I, I guess I think that's a fair question for Tom Campbell. Is he prepared for that? I don't know that he is. Thanks for the call, Joe. 701 888 The show will continue right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report, 970-WDI-AM, 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. email talk at WDY.com. Here's an interesting story that is is actually just breaking right now, Nathiel. Um Mark Treyhand is a professional uh, professor of journalism at the University of North Dakota. Uh, he was actually uh, appointed to the Charles R. Johnson Endowed Uh, chair of journalism at the University of North Dakota. He was appointed there back in April of 2015. Uh, He is now, according, and I'm looking at his social media postings, uh, this is on Twitter and Facebook, uh, he has now uh, resigned that position. He is claiming that uh, he is disappointed and disgusted uh, that the university is not an institutional leader in this uh, this state. Um, Yeah, I'm, I'm reading now, this is from his Facebook post. Uh, It should be a beam of light shining on the protected realm of rational discourse. Last year, for example, I was asked to coordinate a journalism lecture series. I proposed hearing from the journalists who covered Standing Rock. Nope. Instead, the series was, quote, put on hold. This year, I suggested a conference on technology and society, again, leading with a conversation about Standing Rock and social media. Again, no. And I learned about senior administration fears uh, that the legislature might retaliate. I understand it's important that it's important to keep fighting, but when your institution is absent, well for me, this chapter ends. I do appreciate my many colleagues who do great work and will carry on. Thank you for that. And despite everything, I'm grateful Mike for my experiences here. So he is saying essentially he is resigning his position as a you know, an endowed professor at the University of North Dakota, professor of journalism, uh, because he's alleging he wasn't allowed to ha- host discussions about journalism at the at the Standing Rock at, at basically the No Dapple protests, which is a pretty serious charge. Um, you know, wh- whatever your politics, uh, you know, we we shouldn't have academics who are afraid to host those sort of discussions for fear of political bla- backlash.
1: Well, and on top of that, that sort of discussion is very important to young journalists looking to enter that field. I mean, I I think it is as
0: long as it as long as it has all sides of it, though. Well, absolutely.
1: But I mean, even, you know, just from a a journalistic standpoint, knowing what to do in those types of situations as a journalist has is is vital information for students. Yeah, because I mean, if you you can't expect a a student who graduates with a journalism degree to go out and cover something like that if they don't know how to handle themselves and, you know, what they need to present and what they need
0: to do. And I, I, I think I think also to to talk about some of the I, you know, I I think you could have a very good discussion about some of the blurring lines between what constitutes a journalist and what constitutes an activist. Because Absolutely. it was really hard to tell out there sometimes. Especially I mean, that with was, all the
1: social media posting and things like that. It was very difficult to tell who was an active journalist. Who was
0: telling the truth, who wasn't. I mean, and there was a lot of uh, there, there was a lot of baloney information. I think whatever side of that debate you were on. I think we can all agree there was a lot of bogus information that was coming from on the ground from people calling themselves journalists. And, and it was a problem for law enforcement, right? Because we heard this stuff about, you know, the cops were arresting journalists. Well, when you're a cop and you see somebody who looks like they're on the same side, it's hard to distinguish them from the activists. The only real difference is they're holding a live stream and maybe they've got like press credentials. But in every other aspect, they're on the side of the protesters. What distinguishes them? Like, if are, are you allowed to trespass with the rest of the activists if you're going to write about it on a blog later? Does that make you a journalist? Does that give you special protections under the law? I, I think these are valid debates to have, right? I, I, I think that's a valid discussion to have. And so if, if, if it's true that there's, you know, like legislative pressure or, or what have you, and, and I don't know that there's legislative pressure. Maybe it's just fear that, that legislators would get wind of something like this and push back you know that's unfair cuz they should be allowed to have these discussions now i'm looking at this guy's website and i mean this here's 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 a headline from a post he wrote earlier this month that says hegemony is a fine word to describe the trump era goal is to ransack the earth now listen i understand a lot of people have hard feelings about donald trump or whatever but that headline does not sound like the beginning of an even-handed you know, journalistic endeavor, I, I guess is the point that, that I'm trying to make. And, and so that's I, I look at this guy's website. He's clearly way to the left of center. and there's not I'm not saying there's necessarily anything wrong with that. but at a time when journalism is already struggling with trust issues with the general public, with with a perception among many, many in the public that journalists are left of center, that newsrooms don't have a lot of diversity of thought when it comes to ideology in them, I mean, is this the sort of person you want teaching journalism? I I don't know. Uh, You know, I I would be afraid if this guy was putting on a seminar, would it be balanced? Because it should be. If it's not balanced, if it's just propaganda for one side of that debate, well, then where's where's the the, the utility in in terms of academics? Caller, Greg, you're up. What's
3: going on? Say, Rob, I've been always wanting to call. You just been too busy at work. Well, I was curious. During the Dappled protest, there was yeah. millions of dollars raised in a GoFundMe site. And this thing like with that lady named Jill, I can't think of the last name. She I think ramped up about 4 million to recount the election. Oh, Jill Wisconsin. Stein. Yeah, yeah the, the Green Party. Yeah. So, so what happened to all that money?
0: Well, that's a good question. Um, a, a while t- towards the end of the protests, I think it was earlier this year or maybe late last year, I did some posts just sort of looking out and and just creating a sprint like tracking down on like GoFundMe and Indiegogo and, and a lot of those ty- type of sites, I did I did a listing and I found hundreds of accounts, uh, and millions of dollars. I think I I would have to go back and look, but it was millions. It was north of ten million, maybe maybe like twelve million, maybe even sixteen million. I'm forgetting the number I found, but it was a lot of money. And and that was just the ones that had publicly available figures. I mean a lot of people threw out like just like a PayPal link and and none of that stuff was was publicly like there was no public dollar like sum reported on that sort of stuff. So I I know like like the Standing Rock tribe had like they didn't use GoFundMe. They used like PayPal and that didn't have like a publicly reported figure. So that's just what was publicly reported. And and when I'm looking down some of those things, it was pretty clear to me looking at some of those accounts that people were creating um, uh, they would just create donation sites with like no dapple or Dakota Access or whatever the, the right keywords in them, and they would get a few thousand bucks. I mean, it just seemed as easy as that. And I mean, a lot of them were pretty dubious. I mean, they were pretty like, "Hey, I need to like buy a tent and a sleeping bag," and that guy would get like five thousand dollars. Um, sure. I mean, there's was, there was a ton of money flowing around, and I so many different people and so many different groups. I, I don't even know how to begin. Quantifying where that money went.
3: Yeah, but like with Jill Stein, I mean, she had millions that she took from people to do one thing. Yeah. To me, that's either fraud, money laundering. I don't know what you want to call well, it. Uh, Wesley Clark, other than to play, where's Wesley? Whatever. I mean, he had like four million.
0: West. Well, yeah, that's West Clark Jr. He. That was the Standing Rock Veterans thing.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, and I haven't. I haven't checked in on that. Uh, several months ago, I think I did an update on that, uh, and there was still a problem with. Um, like a lot of the veterans who had come hadn't been reimbursed because they were supposed to have, like, I think things like their room and board paid for and that. Uh, and they like a lot of the, the, those guys were not reimbursed as of several months ago. Now, I don't know if they've made good on that sense. Maybe they have. Um, but there was, there was a lot of, there was a lot of sketchy stuff. And a lot of those veterans came, they showed up and they ended up dropped in a blizzard. Nothing was prepared for them. That, that whole thing that he put on was a disaster.
3: So isn't that fraud?
0: Well, you got to be careful throwing that term around because okay. <laughs> it's not necessarily it's not necessarily fraud if it's like just incompetence. Like maybe they meant yeah. to do it and they just weren't very good at it. You know, I mean, there's that. Um, you know, th- there's also no indication that they misappropriated the money, so I, I I don't know that like he just went out and bought himself a Cadillac is, or something instead of spending wow. the money the way he was supposed to. And, and that's sort of, that's sort of the problem too is if they don't if they don't define for you how they're going to spend the money. And you just give them the money anyway. Whose fault is that,
3: right? It just I mean, what, seems like what's, the what's, biggest sucker game around right now.
0: What's, what's, what's the saying about a fool and their money,
3: right? They're soon parted.
0: So, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's the other money. side of the
3: equation. Is is
0: there's a lot of idiots giving them that money too. So,
3: so have you ever asked an IRS person what their take on it is? I mean, you're talking millions of millions of bucks. They so I actually working guy. You're I actually interviewed. interviewed I, I
0: interviewed. I interviewed our tax commissioner regarding that, and yeah. you know the the, the problem. I, I think the problem with it is because it's it's not like a lot of these. I mean, we're not talking about like five hundred one c threes or anything like that. If I'm remembering what his answer was correctly, it was
1: nine seventy WDAY. It looks like we have lost Rob Port here. We're going to take a quick break. We'll get him back. Thank you so much for the call, Greg. You're listening to AM 970 WDAY 93.1 FM. We'll be right back.
0: You're on, Karen. What's going on?
4: I was wondering if uh, on Friday or on Monday you would get a report ready with the numbers on all these different computer funding sites and get some actual uh, numbers uh, set up for what they did and didn't do.
0: Yeah, that's that's a big that's a big ask, Karen. That's a that's a lot of information. Uh and I don't I you know I, I mean what concerning the uh like well I I guess I mean the the problem with that is is trying to quantify like where a lot of that money got. I I think I think what we've got to say, you know, for the purposes of this discussion is be careful who you give your money to online. Um, you know, not everybody who says they're going to spend it a certain way will actually spend it that way.
1: It's impossible to to quantify where that money went unless the person who took that money is transparent and honest and presents data themselves willingly on what they spent that money on because they're under no obligation to do so, especially on a site like GoFundMe. When you give your money to someone on GoFundMe, they're under no obligation. It's not like Kickstarter or something like that. Where there's a funding goal and nobody loses any money until that goal is met. And then once the goal is met, the creator is under a contractual obligation to, to get you things that they said they would do. is a whole nother beast. 970 W D A Y. We are having some serious issues here with Rob, Rob's connection. So we are gonna take another quick break here. We will get him back in just a moment. <laughs> I think we've got him
0: back now. Welcome back, Rob Report. Yeah. <laughs> can you hear me? Can everybody hear me? Am I okay? Can you hear me now? I can hear you. Can oh, you good. hear me?
1: Yeah, I can. Actually, I'm very surprised. Tell those construction workers down there not All to right. do their well, construction we're having... work between noon and two. Twelve and two.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I mean that's that's I that's honestly I think the problem right now is I've been we're having some internet connection issues and there is some construction in the area. I can't even drive into my cul-de-sac right now. I got to park like two blocks away and walk in. Jeez at beats. this point. Uh and I think it it it, it has been causing some inter- internet intermittency issues which which obviously unfortunately have hit have hit the show here a little bit. Um anyway, I'm I'm putting up a post right now about this this UND professor who is uh, he's resigning. He's, he's claiming that he couldn't do uh, work tar- you know talking about the the no Dapple protest because of potential backlash from the the legislature, which I, I mean, I don't know I, I don't know if there'd be backlash or not. I, I think the legislature is free to, uh, to to judge the work that is done that, that public dollars are funding at our universities. Uh, And if that work is perceived to be one-sided or slanted, I I don't think the taxpayers have any obligation to fund propaganda. And when I look at this guy's website, he's pretty clearly picked aside on, you know, the pipeline issue. And I think that's problematic, particularly for somebody who is working in the field of journalism. Uh, You know, again, there's already a big problem with with people perceiving journalists as being too far to the left uh, is, is newsrooms being full of liberals and Democrats. And that is something even other journalists acknowledge at, at this point. Um, I was just reading, there was a, there was a, um, a piece by, uh, an LA times columnist, Mark Oppenheimer, uh, where he's essentially, you know, why does the public hate the news media? And, you know, he, he goes on there is that, he says, uh, there's the old argument that people believe reporters are biased in favor of liberals. Uh, there's some truth to that. Surveys suggest that journalists are far more likely to be Democrats, uh, than Republicans. Uh, and he goes on to talk about that, and, and there, there's a problem. And, and he suggests, uh, you know, journalism schools could recruit conservative students, uh, as conservative think tanks and political organizations do. Uh, some thoughtful conservative billionaire could decide to underwrite investigative reporting internships for right leaning students. Um, I, I think that's true. I, I, I think I think the journalism industry should look at creating some diversity in their ranks. You know, I, it's and and not not to say that that you know they got to be propagandists for conservatives. Conservatives can be every bit as capable of, of taking Republicans to task uh, as as liberal reporters. But I, I I think you run into problems if if, if journalists are are supposed to. Journalists are supposed to, to write a, the first draft of history for all of us, right? And I think if you want to do that endeavor, I think the newsroom in a lot of ways needs to be made up with, with maybe the same mix of thoughts and ideas and everything that the general public is. And right now they're not, and I think that's a problem. Anyway, I'll have more about that on sayanythingblog.com. Jay Thomas, show straight ahead. You can always catch me here 12 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday on 970 AM and 93.1 FM for 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.